to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Adam, we are sitting on a live stream. Recording far into the future. <laughs> recording from the past. Yeah. The last time we opened up a bunch of mail on the program, we did it on the live stream. And we are going to open up a bunch of mail on this week's episode on the same live stream. These people are getting a double mail call on one stream. I can only imagine what it's like. <laughs> Monday, June 28th. The wonders in store for us. Yeah. Yeah. Once we arrive on that date. So we're recording this on May 28th. That's a long ways off. I know. Man. We could be canceled ten times over by then. <laughs> you wanna just jump right in? Should we open some mail? Yeah, I wanna I wanna see what what untold prizes you have and those still boxed up gifts you have behind you. Why don't you show me what you got out of the mailbox? Alright. Captain. I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Starfleet emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. The first thing we've got here is from JT Shug in Dublin, California. And this really caught my eye because um, my history teacher in middle school was uh, Mr. Shug. And Dublin, California is not far from where... I grew up, so I wonder if this is... I wonder if it's any relation to Mr. Shug. Here's the, uh... Here's a letter. Dear Ben and Adam, I don't understand why they would make an action figure of of Jay Pipes as a ROM, but somehow this ended up in my collection of things. I am moving to California, so I must seriously lighten my load. So I appreciate you accepting responsibility to care for this important cultural artifact. Keep trekking, gold medallion leader. Wow. Holy mackerel. It is it is Romulan drag jail pipes. Wow. This is like... Looking good. You can still tell he's jacked under those robes. You can. He comes with... Um, like Romulan cat basket style phaser, Romulan purple briefcase, and a give me uh, that soup bowl. Romulan Picard uh, standing plate, but no soup bowl in the package, and I don't understand. <laughs> That's like the main thing that they did on Romulus. He's going on tour with us for sure. Absolutely. He's got a stand. He's got the stand. He's got the he's got the dustbuster cat basket. I hate the little phaser yeah, beam on those phasers. Fuck those. Weak. Yeah, the new action <laughs> figures have uh, interchangeable hands. Yeah. That's uh, that's this like predates the, that technology. the modern style. Thank you, JT. Uh, okay. This next, next package comes from just like Amazon and doesn't have any mm-hmm. identifiable information on the outside. There's a note in here. Uh, a gift for you. Loved the excitement and TGG quote disappointment of the killing of the falcon keep up the great work and try not to fight here's some lego themed cups to help you prepare for the real hooves from brie mm-hmm. belke brie wow. again brie's the best look at these brie has sent us 
Lego shaped hoof style drinking containers here. Oh, that's great. These are like, um, if you can picture what like a boxer takes a drink from in in the middle of a match. Uh, oh yeah, like that that type of sports beverage bottle with a straw. Brie Belke sent me a birthday card. That's how thoughtful she is. Brie Belke. She's the one, best. One of the greatest in the biz. Is Brie Belke in the chat? Oh, I don't know. I don't imagine that Brie Belke would lower herself to watching a thing on Twitch at her. Card Daddy says Brie is here and always has been. So, <laughs> fuck me, right? <laughs> uh, this one is from Dr. Kayla I in Houston, Texas. It says, may this bring honor to your house on the package. Chat, does it? <laughs> this is so concerning. There's no note, as far as I can tell. And then I'm like looking in the shopping bag and I see flag with with red, white, and black colors. And I'm like, what flag did we get sent? Oh, no. It's not a swastika flag, Adam. Keep it folded up. It's the Klingon flag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where are you gonna hang that? You gonna is that gonna be a place of honor? I now have a in your home a uh, United Federation of Planets flag and a Klingon flag in my possession, and I wonder if I should start to like fly them outside of my house. I don't think you can fly the Klingon flag outside of your house. At my home, I permanently fly the Klingon flag at half staff <laughs> because I do not remember. The great tragedy that occurred moments ago. (laughs) As far as I can remember, Praxis was yesterday. Every day is a tragedy for Kern. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we have two more things to open. These come from Bob M. in Grand Forks, North Dakota. We got... Star Trek The Next Generation, the interactive board game. Oh, that's the one that's all about Bij, right? Experience Bij. Yeah. Hey, I have a VCR in my in my box of of ancient AV gear. No kidding. If we got the VCR set up, do you think that's a game that we could play on the Twitch? I think people would love that and I would love to I would love to play it. This is a numbered box. It says on the outside that it's a unique collector's edition, number 84,903. <laughs> wow. So, it's rare? The VCR is more limited than this board game. <laughs> oh, man, there's a, there's a letter in this second box. It goes uh-huh. like this. Hi, Ben and Adam. I've been enjoying watching you play Star Trek games on your Twitch stream, and I think doing some Star Trek board games would make for fun Twitch hang as well. Please find enclosed a couple of Star Trek board games from my youth. I've been enjoying the pod ever since I learned about it from Sarus Faravar's article in Ars Technica, and I was able to get my wife on board for DS9. Anyway, I hope we get to enjoy both of you experiencing beige on the stream someday. Sincerely, Bob and Rain. P.S. If you're opening this on a Twitch stream, please say hi if I'm there. Twitch name TenaciousB06. What's up, TenaciousB06? Where are you? Show yourself. Whoa, there they are! (laughs) That's amazing! (laughs) Cool. Thank you, Bob. That never happens. The second one is Star Trek Monopoly. 
That is almost the equal and opposite of the board game you opened up the first time because no one wants to watch us play Monopoly on Twitch. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. No one. Uh, There are fast and fun ways to play Monopoly, right? Not that I know of. Man, this is amazing. Good, Good game pieces here. But we also have three more boxes to get to. But this. What's written on the side? Is it just fragile? It's what, just, what is, yeah, it, it just says like, fragile. It looks like what would be scrawled on the side of a cell <laughs> that someone's been imprisoned in. Yeah. This is from Ramon LP4, I want to say, in uh-huh. Houston, Texas. And uh, this, is, this is box one of three, and it says, Open Me First on the outside. All right. Hey, Ben and Adam. You know when you're in a quaint Irish village and all the villagers chase you with pitchforks convinced you're spirit folk? Well, if and when this happens to you, the last thing you want is your beer spilling when you try to escape the horde. Trust me. So, I've provided each of you with your own coachman glasses in anticipation of this day in your future. Also included are two extra boxes, one for each of you, filled with my favorite Texas local beers, a fantastic dry mead from Austin, and my second favorite Icelandic beer. Texas may be batshit politically speaking, but our brew is nothing to be ashamed of. I hope you enjoy them. P.S. Special shout out to fellow FOD and Max Fun supporter April... You turned me on to the pod when you guys came to Houston for Greatest Gen Con before COVID. Do come again. Cheers and glory to your houses, Ramon. Wow. Thank you, Ramon. I like mead. The first time I had mead, there was a snowstorm in Seattle, and I walked down to my local bar. Yeah. And and they had it, and it just seemed like the right thing to drink in a snowstorm that shut down the whole city. If you're not in a uh, holodeck simulation of... uh, of Grendel's uh, raid on the mead hall. That's the other mm-hmm. context in which you want to drink a bunch of mead, right? Ben, you know the rule of Twitch is whenever we receive booze, you need to take it to the dome on camera. So, so let's I, see this mead. I don't. I'm, I'm I'm opening the the first box first, and these are um, I guess these are like this is like glassware for us when we are uh, running from angry villagers. In Ireland, I spent a semester in college in Ireland, and I know I know how angry the villagers can get. I need to make a Ben's gonna talk about Ireland song. <laughs> Fuck you, clearly, prick. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to make as a stretch goal for Max Fun Drive was the entire Africa song, like all of it, Fuck you. completely realized with all the verses and choruses. Just couldn't get there this year, yeah. but um. Next year, maybe that's what I'll make the goal. So this is the glassware that that. Ramon has sent us. It is a, it's kind of a chalice-style glass. It's got like German and French, it looks like, on it. It says, Ab u gesundheit on the top and a votre santé on the bottom. It is basically just cheers in in, uh, French and German, I think. Man, this is this is wild. There's there's two of these, so so we each get a weird wooden handled uh, chalice. Holy mackerel! This is this is one of the wildest errands we've ever done. I I can't believe how many boxes I've had to open. Uh-huh. I'm gonna drink some of this fancy lawnmower refreshing outdoor beer out of this yeah. glass. 
Because I There's have to. There's a lawnmower lager that I used to drink from Seattle, from a local brewery up there. That's that's good branding. Wow, this is great. It's really good, actually. Like it's a it's such a crushable drink that it it is literally good at room temperature. A room temperature beer after drinking a cold cocktail that's got to yeah. be a shock to the system would i keep drinking it if i didn't like it yes <laughs> you would you would because you wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings this is who you are i'm in a lot of therapy right now as everyone knows i'm working through those uh-huh. kinds of issues I've, I've been a people pleaser my whole life I'm, because i try to avoid conflict and i'm i'm leaning into the conflict these days i'm i'm here to say this is a good beer i'm trying not to hurt you with my comments <laughs> i promise you that <laughs> hey man we're here on the bridge of the enterprise drinking beers i'm loving it i like it a lot this is the good life right this is the best all right ben uh most people don't like any of the squares on the <laughs> Game of Buttholes, The Will of the Prophets. Uh, there are some squares that you and I don't prefer, but there are some squares that we like a great deal. And I think today's episode is one of them. At the end of the last episode, uh, we landed on it. It's, yes. It's Neelix's Galley. It's the square where the hosts drink Talaxian champagne. Yes. And uh, peek behind the pod, we recorded the Code 47 at a different time as the rest of this episode. So uh, no drinking during that portion of the episode. So we just have that much less time to get through a bottle of champagne each. And I have a, uh, I got a rosé champagne because I thought that was like a little weird. Uh, and in the tradition of Neelix being a little weird. I love that. Did you go out and get a champagne specifically for this occasion? Uh, yeah, I, I uh, was picking up a burrito for dinner last night and I there was a liquor store next door so I anytime you can buy a burrito and pick up an impulse champagne <laughs> yeah it was just at the same stop that's what you want to do I just looked like a real class act a guy walking down the street with a 8000 calorie beef burrito and a yeah. bottle of rosé champagne <laughs> yeah to wash that thing down of course yeah. I'm back on my uh, Las Haras business I got a bottle of uh the Old Vines Mendocino County Sparkling yeah. Wine. Uh, it's non-filtered, which I think is uh, is a unique property of it. I just took the uh, the cage off the cork, and the cork went flying. That's never happened to me with a bottle of champagne. A little scary if you're not ready for it. I mean, that's what the cage is for, but uh, I'm drinking out of a coupe today, Adam. Oh, nice. I'm drinking out of one of those glasses that's made out of a wine bottle. Oh, fun. Like, like a punt glass. Yeah. It's got the little uh, little dimple in the bottom. Oh, that's so effervescent and nice. I got a little ice bucket here for my bottle, too. I've got the same. Yeah, right. and this is what makes these episodes so great. We get to enjoy a nice bottle of bubbly. Oh, yeah, and I see Cheers that you have you. a little wedge of Leola root on the edge of your glass for a garnish. As you do, yeah. And I'm I'm hoping this glass of sparkling wine isn't uh piquant <laughs> hey to neelix adam yeah to neelix really our favorite crew person and i know he gets my morale up <laughs> yeah yeah pretty nice ben uh well as we do today's episode we will just be taking this bottle to the dome and yep. i'm sure you can hear the difference as get, we go on. Get your broads ready, folks. Yeah. Get your broads ready for Star Trek Voyager Season 
to episode five, non sequitur. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. <laughs> ben, I, we don't do research on this show. Mm. I hate it. I would never. And yet the research found me <laughs> because I learned that, like, we make fun of Star Trek Discovery a lot on the hit new Star Trek podcast, Greatest Discovery. Yes. One of the one of the things that I make fun of quite a bit is like how n- fucking nerdy the writers' room is whenever they decide to use a Latin episode title. Uh-huh. And I read that there are fourteen episodes of Star Trek with with Latin show titles. This is one of them. This is one of them. Yeah. This is Harry Kim waking up, having a dream about a bunk bed in a regular bed. It's true. It's not a Delaney sister he's waking up with. No. It's... And in fact, that's sort of the direction this episode goes. He's he's woken up with Libby, who is the special lady friend he left behind. Yeah. Have we heard the name Libby before, or has, has he just referred to my girlfriend? If he has, it didn't really stick with me. Yeah. But uh, as soon as he wakes up, he starts apologizing for the <laughs> Delaney sisters. Yeah. Over and over again, he asks forgiveness for all of the things he did with the Delaney sisters. <laughs> yeah. He explains to Libby that uh, if you could only see the Delaney sisters, you'd understand their, their great sexual power. You would be as angry with me as I feel like you should be. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you don't need to apologize for each individual sexual act you performed with them. It, the, the transgression is worthy of an apology just globally i'm done with this conversation harry kim very organized with the note-taking about his sexual conquests produces the the spreadsheet (laughs) (laughs) he's assembled uh just titled the delaney sisters two columns one (laughs) column for each sister and uh just a whole lot of detail yeah I mean, you, you see why he wound up in ops, you know? <laughs> yeah, that that attention to detail, a real asset uh, at certain moments, but not for pillow talk. He is shocked to look out the window and in the midst of this argument and see that he is in San Francisco, and not oldie-timey San Francisco, but, but uh, present-day-to-Harry-Kim San Francisco. Yeah, he is like, what did I do last night? You ever wake up in a strange city? Yeah. I feel like that's what's happening to Harry Kim. Yeah. He went on a he went on a bender that took him all the way across the galaxy and back. One of my best friends woke up on a plane to Vegas once. Yeah. <laughs> I think you did tell me that one time. Yeah. <laughs> that is both scary and exciting in equal measure, I'd say. Yeah. I mean it's a it's something I really like my about myself is that will never happen to me. Oh, I wouldn't be so sure. I think I could probably make that happen. So Harry Kim is kind of trying to play along at the beginning of this episode. Like it's, uh, it, he's got his big meeting that Libby is telling him about. He uh, he has to get ready for work, so he goes and gets dressed, and uh, you know she she straightens his Starfleet issued necktie and sends him out the door. But he, you know, he's he kind of like will dip into uh, under his breath saying like what the hell is going on? Like, what day is it? Is it, <laughs> yeah, is like, it the present or the past? Have I traveled in time or traveled in space? He's got to be Sammy Jankus here by acting as if, but also Kim has no inner monologue. So at any given point, 
he's giving himself away. Yeah. Like this would work great as a novel, I feel like, but writing yeah. it for television is super hard because you have to give the viewer enough context to, to know these things. Like what day is it? And he has to ask that out loud. Libby thinks that Kim is playing games here. I mean, you and I have been in long-term committed relationships before. One of the most fun games to play mm-hmm. with your partner is the I don't know who you are and I don't know what's going on game. Like, always a big hit, I think. Yeah, love doing bits on marriages. <laughs> yeah, we should really put that on, on the list. The rules of greatest gen. Nothing spices up uh, things in the bedroom, like having a lot of doubts yeah. about your relationship. <laughs> I mean, I think he's gaslighting me, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Hot. Can we play this little game another time, please? This apartment is really incredible. Uh, what a view. Uh, it's uh, it's the rare uh, apartment in Star Trek where you see a hinged door. I <laughs> liked seeing the, uh, like when he went into the bathroom to get ready, the, the door is on a hinge. It looks like um, maybe like an old apartment because he's in like, he's in like the, the mission district, it says, when he comes downstairs. So Right. So maybe this is like maybe this is like super retro for them. The apartment is cool, its location is cool, but I have a real problem with the layout of this place. Yeah. There's clearly like rooms in the back, but the bed is just like in the living room and they have these two staves with candles on top right next to the bed like if you were trying to to figure out a way to make a fire hazard in a bedroom You'd want to stick candles on top of staves in a place where you would get up and knock them over where you to get out of bed in the middle of the night. That's where these things are. I mean, you have to remember that this was, you know, filmed in the 90s when candles on staves and, and flowing white curtains were crucial to any sex scene. And this, oh, yeah. You know, this like this kind of like shabby chic loft lifestyle where it's like we put the bed in like the biggest room in the place because like yeah. this is the kind of environment we want. To, they're like they're thinking outside the box uh, for our time. This is very Friends or Seinfeld esque, right? Exactly. And this is like you see on on the internet now, like Harry Kim and Libby's San Francisco apartment is impossible because yeah, yeah. they'll they'll show like the floor plan. Yeah. What what is this BuzzFeed article about one episode <laughs> of Voyager? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, real deep dive. Yeah. It looks like a lot of the location was shared with the Deep Space Nine episode where yeah. they go back in time to uh, to a very different looking San Francisco in those episodes. Right. And that's a an earlier version of but uh but it feels like they're kind of maybe like in the same parts of the city uh just in different historical Mm -hmm. epics right kim has got to get out of there i feel like the longer he stays in that apartment with libby the greater the chances that he blows his cover as it is and so out on the street he gets spotted by the coffee shop owner of the shop where he is clearly a regular cosmos yeah vulcan mocha extra sweet Thanks. And Cosimo himself is out there to greet. I, I would love to cultivate a, a relationship with the owner of a coffee shop in my neighborhood like this. It just seems so great to be like walking down the street and have the owner of the coffee shop go like, Hey, it's a Ben Harrison. Come over here and have a coffee. I made it for you. 
<laughs> you were really close to doing that before you moved away, right? I was. And then the fucking owner of that coffee shop got like, there was like an article about him, like being a bad person to the women that worked for him. And I was like, Ugh, I almost, oh, no. I, I almost formed a relationship with the owner of a coffee shop that is actually the worst person at that coffee shop. I did not know that. Yeah. Very disappointing. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, unclear how Cosimo treats his employees. Cosimo seems like the only employee of his own coffee <laughs> does, shop. Yeah. I mean, like in this future, do you need a lot of help? Like the robots probably clean up. Like the replicator does all the heavy lifting in the kitchen. Like this is sort of the 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 question that Cisco's answers. If you're the type of restaurateur. Uh, like Ben Cisco's dad, you probably do want all your stuff made by hand and you want to be circulating the, the restaurant and greeting and stuff. Yeah. Cosimo, it doesn't look like he's in there pulling his own shots or anything. I just loved this depiction of San Francisco. It's the mixture of the old and the new. There's like architecture from a long time ago and architecture from last year uh, yeah. up against each other. And I just feel like so many sci-fi futures that we see depicted ignore the, <laughs> the fact that the built environment uh you know evolves over time rather than right. just arriving fully formed as a future place yeah i like the suggestion of the permanence of some of the architecture yeah living on uh in the 24th century it's neat yeah cosimo is nice but being from seattle i definitely was feeling like he was a little bit too into Kim's business. <laughs> yeah, Cosmo knows all about him, doesn't he? Yeah, Kim's getting asked about what's ahead for him at work because Cosmo knows where he's headed and why. There's a big pitch meeting about a starship design. That he's been working on for precisely eight months. And I, yeah. I like, I, like this is where the reality breaks, right? Because you'd, you'd yeah. be like, if you were the owner, you'd be like, God, yeah, I feel like you probably started that, what, eight, nine months ago? Not eight months. Eight months. <laughs> yeah. But Cosimo knows Harry Kim's drink order. Yeah. And, uh, and sends him on his way. He's, I mean, Harry Kim's going to need this coffee for where he's headed. More charitably, maybe this is a maybe this is intentional because Cosimo has a secret. That's right. The secret is he does pull his own shots. Harry Kim meets up with his buddy Lieutenant Laska, and they head to their big meeting with a bunch of front sips, a mixture of captains and admirals. Real high pressure situation for these two. You recognized the lead admiral, didn't you? Uh, I recognize the actor, but uh, remind me, do, has he been in Trek before? This is one of those weird situations where I was like, I know that Admiral. And then I looked him up and the actor, this guy, has played several Admirals. No kidding. In this scene, he's playing Admiral Strickler. Let's get this underway, Lieutenant Laska. Who is a character that just exists for this episode. Yeah. But... Jack Shearer played the admiral that told Picard to stay the hell out of the Borg fight in Star Trek First Contact. Long-range sensors have picked yes, up... Yes, I know. The Borg. Same guy. Is this one of those situations like Tom Paris not being the Red Squad guy because they would have had to pay the writer that came up with the character again? It's... I don't know if that's the reason, but it sure feels like that. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so this this has like all of the feelings of like a dream where you show up to school not wearing pants or 
or whatever, because Harry Kim is, uh, this is a big presentation to the brass about this new version of a runabout that they've designed. And Harry Kim was supposed to make a presentation about how they've solved some engineering challenge with the warp core, and uh, he, he has not brought his homework. Is there a problem, Ensign? Actually, sir, there is. Have you ever been fucked over by a partner in a school, in a, in a group project? <laughs> Adam, I went to film school. Film school is 100% group projects. It's you are the sound guy, you are the camera yeah. guy, you are the director, you are the PA on this shoot. And then next week you will shuffle and everybody will be in the same group, but a different, like, like production class uh, junior uh, sophomore year of NYU is that. You are in a group project with the same three people for the entire semester, and it is really challenging. I feel like you could tell the actor who played Lieutenant Laska to go as big as they want. Yeah. Because you're on his side. Kim is really fucking him over, (laughs) and it sucks to watch. Yeah. Usually Kim is just fucking, but this time he's fucking someone over. Right. There's no spreadsheet for the positions (laughs) he's in during this meeting. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. He finally just sort of like calls out sick in the middle of the meeting, which was his only defense. Harry, you better be dying. And uh, Admiral Strickler is, is, you know, he's one of these, like, like he, he blows into the meeting saying like he doesn't want to keep his next meeting waiting after he's clearly kept this meeting waiting. Right. Yeah. That big Admiral energy. So he's like looking for an excuse to leave. And uh, he's like, well, I'm going to I'm going to be touring the Cardassian neutral zone for a month. So soonest we'll be able to get back to this is uh, is quite a while from now. After the meeting, uh, Harry goes into what I believe is like his own workplace office, right? It, it seems like it's not his home. It's very, dif- it's very definitely the place where he does his work and his studying. Yeah. And, uh, and he reads his own file. He is his own Murdoch here. Starship Design Specialist awarded the Cochrane Medal of Excellence for Outstanding Advances in Warp Theory. You got around, didn't you? It's incredible. I see that you fucked uh, the one Delaney sister and then the other. It's a hell of a combination. It turns out, according to the computer, that he was denied his request to be stationed on Voyager. And when that happened, he transferred to Starfleet Engineering. Yeah. You know, like the Seth MacFarlane 9 11 story? Mm-hmm. It's like Harry colon Voyager colon colon Seth MacFarlane colon 9 11. <laughs> he just missed it. That is going to be a a very complicated episode title, but <laughs> I think it'll be very rewarding for anyone who's made it this far. Yeah, yeah, especially because there's a there's a slash in nine eleven, so there's just yeah. a, a whole salad of weird <laughs> punctuation in that. <laughs> I love how Star Trek this moment is. Like Harry Kim seems to be almost self aware that he's in a Star Trek episode at this point because he's like, all right, well this is weird. I have to have been Star Trekked through a temporal anomaly or some or cued yeah, or yeah. some other weird thing. Like it's not that he doesn't believe what's happened. He believes there's a very Star Trek explanation for this and he starts asking the computer <laughs> yeah. all all the many ways how this could have happened. You have to have this hierarchy of like you memorize this hierarchy of questions uh-huh. when you graduate the academy because like, you know, you never know, right? <laughs> Yeah, Kim is like, did I accidentally light speed breakaway factor myself? <laughs> At the same time, he's like kind of loving the 
life path that this suggests for him. Like he didn't get to go on the starship that he wanted to, but he did become a brilliant engineer and like win an award. It's about my medal, is it? Oh God, I can go home and get it. Like it's kind of George Costanza trying to introduce himself to people as Art Vandalay. Like I kind of want to be an architect. There's something tempting about this. The darkness that shades the periphery of this new reality, though, is definitely like in this timeline, the Voyager has gone missing as and has been presumed lost. Yeah. And there's uh, been like through, a memorial service. And Kim has buddies who were stationed on the Voyager. One buddy in particular, Daniel Bird, was like the guy at his station. Yeah. Tough. And it's a weird feeling of like, that should have been me, but... But for a bad thing, you know? You just grieve the Delaney sisters when you hear about this, right? Mm -hmm. Like all that unspent (laughs) sexual equity. (laughs) Just uh, gone like like tears and rain in the Badlands. (laughs) So so he kind of like trudges home and Kazumo like runs out of the coffee shop and is like, hey, it's a Mr. Harry Kim. You back so early. How'd the meeting go? Whenever a friend mentions your wife kind of a lot. You like to sleep late on Sunday, but if I had your fiance, I'd sleep late too. Like notably a lot. Coming home for a little visit with Libby, are we? Ah, to be young. And also knows a lot about where you live. Fourth floor, apartment 4G. (laughs) I was suspicious of Cosmo at this point in time. Not the earlier part, where, where I think you were smarter and earlier to the game. I didn't know what to be suspicious of, but like... He also, I think Kim's going to wake up with Cosimo at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and he's like, like you're going to go enjoy some uh, some afternoon delight with your with your fiance, eh? It's <laughs> like, I'm I'm actually like still in a refractory period from the Delaney sisters like two nights ago. Like, I'm, and I'm still new to all of this. So I'm give me a moment. I'll get there. I'll get there. Cosimo's like, uh, it's dangerous to come home early. And surprise your lady friend, take this. <laughs> and it's like four shots of espresso. <laughs> and then Harry's like, oh, I got a shit, and runs home. He knows he knows Harry fucks. That's the implication of this scene to me. This is another opportunity for Kim to either Sammy Jankus himself or just come out with his reality to Libby and Libby is treating Kim like he's role playing here. Other Klingons will not accept me for what I am. Yeah. It seems to work because after this moment we cut to above the bed which has been totally thrashed by their lovemaking. So <laughs> he was able to make this work and that and that quad shot by Cosimo yeah. really carried him through the day. I love the idea of Harry Kim getting stranded in the D-Quad as, as erotic roleplay. Yeah, he, uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night and steps down off of his bed platform. There's another <laughs> funny part of the way this room is arranged. Like, it's a raised bed, raised to a position of prominence in the room. Yeah. And he starts, like, taking stock of the things he sees in the room. Do you think that they, this room is big enough that they could have an audience occasionally? Is that what the bed on the platform thing is about? Is it's like their stage? Fidelio. When you're into the sort of lovemaking that you could call performative, I mean, that's how it should be, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm shocked that Harry Kim's fingers aren't too tired to mess with the keys of this computer station that he finds in the corner because uh, he starts getting to work asking. And this is another thing, man. Like you're sitting at the computer station in the middle of the night. Your lover is wrapped up in the in the post coitus blankets. Yeah. And uh, this is why you don't use Siri in the bedroom late at night because right. this moment wakes Libby up. <laughs> Yeah, he starts. He starts uh, going through the logs, and um, he's he's looking at the crew manifest for the Voyager, and he's actually like put in his own access codes because you know the the story with Voyager has been classified, and uh, he happens to know the the access codes because he was stationed on Voyager, so he's looking through it. Were you a little bit concerned, like? This isn't the only moment in the episode where things about Voyager were a little bit ambiguous to the extent that I was wondering, I was, I feel like I had to fill in the blanks of what happened to Voyager and those blanks <laughs> to fill equaled it went into the Badlands and disappeared and Starfleet considered it a lost ship with all hands. I like I kept on wanting there to be an alternate reality to what happened to Voyager right. because of Kim's living in his own alternate reality and I wonder if a stitch of dialogue could have like totally solidified that to keep my mind from imagining something different that had happened because I know in the logic of this episode it's very clear that the exact same thing happened to Voyager as as what happened in Kim's timeline. But yeah. I feel like enough time had passed wh- where I'm guessing and wondering that, I don't know. It's interesting that it's eight months. Like eight months yeah. is the amount of time that we are given. And I think that like an episode or two ago, we heard six months. So I, mm-hmm. I guess he graduated from the Academy eight months ago. Yeah. So presumably, I don't know. But but also like the memorial was two weeks ago. And it so it seems like, kind of a lot of time was given to the possibility of they will come back because I mean, which is reasonable this being Star Trek, like people go into time loops and shit all the time and and then come out the other side, none the worse for wear. Is that memorial service just the entire crew's holograms set up (laughs) talking at the same time? Yeah. And Tom Mervin standing down at the end in front of the Janeway one and going like, hey, can 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 you turn it down on the other ones? I, like, they're all talking at the same time. I cannot hear what she's saying. That makes me so sad. Tom Mervin's and a sad dog. Yeah. Never going to see Janeway again. Bummer. Bummer. If you're Tom Mervin's, you just have to move on, though. It's what Janeway would have wanted. <laughs> she wants Tom Mervin's to, to date a... Uh, TJ Maxinista or something. Uh. <laughs> Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Uh, one of the things that Harry Kim finds out on his late night series session is that uh, Tom Paris went to prison and was paroled. Yeah. He's in Marseille, France now. He's in Marseille, France. They do attempt a bit of uh, who's on first style comedy when... Uh, when Libby wakes up and asks what's going on and he says, I've got to go to Marseille. That's where Paris is or something like that. Libby confronts Kim about why he's been acting so strangely. And this is like 
unfortunately a very writerly moment because Kim's explanation to her is articulated in the worst possible way because he because all he needs to say is uh i got a buddy out in france and he might be in trouble or whatever but instead what kim says is you ever like come to a moment in your life where you don't know if you can go through with the thing that you thought that you wanted to go through and that maybe your love is a lie or like (laughs) he says like exactly the wrong thing to the one person you can't say this to all of this it's not supposed to be happening she definitely interprets this as you are breaking up with me you are breaking our engagement and i just it's like my feet are so cold <laughs> and there's just no number of socks that can make them warm again <laughs> there aren't enough socks in this quadrant or the delta quadrant take it from me a guy who knows all about both quadrants it's like I don't know if I can be a one pair of sock man. Like I look around and I see other socks everywhere and I kind of want to know what it would feel like to try on that pair. Or maybe, maybe there's like some sisters who wear some (laughs) socks and maybe you could like try them both on at the same time. They take them off and you put them on. I don't know. I don't know what they're into. I mean, I do, but I I don't want to admit that to you right now. Maybe the socks are still warm from their body heat. Is it so hard to speak of love? I think that there's something very interesting about this moment, though, because, like, if you if you lived in a perfect future where you, you wanted for nothing, you would actually be kind of a social misfit to want to join a military organization like Starfleet. You'd be the weirdo. You'd be the weirdo. And this kind of exposes that, Harry is the weirdo because he starts going into the kind of thing like if you if he was talking to BLT or Geordi or any Star Trek character they'd be like interesting let's like get a tricorder out and start working on the problem and she is like you're breaking up with me this is handled poorly but (laughs) consistently given how Harry Kim seems to handle a lot of stressful situations yeah so he heads to Sandrine's, which is a familiar set to us, and uh, and meets up with uh, Tom Paris, who is not also here from an alternate reality. Uh, we know this because Paris doesn't remember Kim when he shows up at the at the pool hall. Tom, who the hell are you? Paris didn't get to go on the Voyager mission because. That moment in the first episode of Star Trek Voyager played out a little differently in this timeline because uh, Tom Paris was thrown into the brig by a combination of Quark and Odo uh, in the very situation that Kim found himself in at Quark's bar, buying those those jewels. I loved that this referenced Deep Space Nine because I think without Deep Space Nine, you could not have a Star Trek scene like this. Yeah. That like references something deep in the past of the show. Um, I, I I thought this was really great. Like it's yeah. it's part of this rewritten history, but uh, th- this scene also is like very very long. I think it's kind of the centerpiece scene of the episode in a lot of ways, yeah. and uh, it's depressing as fuck because Tom Paris is just like like Harry says it. He he says you're a loser and a drunk, and it's it's really sad to see what a Tom Paris that doesn't. Like, he is he is also the weirdo, right? He needs the structure of Starfleet in his life. It's what made the second Back to the Future movie so affecting, was, like, seeing all your favorite characters sad 
and destitute and desperate. Yeah. You know, like this is not a totally desperate Tom Paris here, but this is a guy that did not get the breaks that he got in in the in the main timeline here and he's very cynical. And this is also the moment where Harry Kim has to go out on the limb. Like this is the first time he actually speaks the truth of his situation to anyone. He tries to convince Paris that that what's happened to him is also affecting Paris. Like Paris belongs somewhere else. Right. He belongs with Harry Kim. He belongs with Harry Kim. He belongs in Starfleet. And he's saying like, hey, come to HQ. We're going to run some simulations and figure out what happened to my shuttle and figure out why this reality is not the correct reality for me. And this like almost turns into a bar fight, but it, it doesn't last very long. Paris being the cynic that he is, being the, the hardened criminal is just paranoid, really. He thinks it's a trap, and that's why he tries to punch Kim in the face. And, uh, you know, in the background, watching the whole thing, there's Cosimo. Yeah. Fancy tasting bars for Cosimo. He's like, he's like, finishes up his shift at at his coffee shop in San Francisco and then transports across the planet to Marseille for a drink. If it were just that easy, though, wouldn't it be amazing to be like, hey, after we're wrapped here, Ben, let's just transport to France, oh, get man. ourselves a, a great meal and some champs. I, I, I've got the restaurant res. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the restaurant res on my phone right now. That sounds amazing. And then, uh, and then no matter what, I just beam myself back into my own bed. Yeah. Like that would be the best type of vacationing, right? It would like, rule. You do you do the coolest shit, the most exotic activities, and then uh, back in bed. God. Kim returns home after this to find a couple of dustbusters waiting for him inside. What's going on? Starfleet doesn't like that he's been digging into the computers using forged access codes. Yeah. And this is like a callback to when he was digging in the computers earlier. His codes worked when right. he was trying to find dirt on Voyager. Right. Uh, Lieutenant Laska is there to say like, hey, this like, like, let's go get, let's go down to HQ and straighten this all out. I'm sure that there's a perfectly good explanation for this. Kim is like, hey, Admiral, I thought you were taken off for the fucking Cardassian neutral zone. Like you actually made time to interrogate me, but you didn't have time to stay late after the last meeting for me to pitch you the whole uh, runabout situation. We famously don't do research on this show. But I wanted to know when in the timeline this was relative to the Dominion War because I think that it, like, it must be like pretty close to when the DS9 crew was on Earth and they were like, "Fuck, there are founders everywhere." Like, this oh, must be yeah. a particularly paranoid Starfleet at this point totally. in history. And for as paranoid as the moment is, it's also a very paranoid type of confrontation. Like the interrogation that Strickler lays on Kim is like, hey man, I'd love to believe this story, but your only explanation is Star Trek. And that's (laughs) not enough. Yeah. Like his actions are suspicious enough to make them think that he's a make-we sympathizer. We're here to find the truth, Ensign. You can't handle the truth! Man, the fucking Swiss watchness of the fact that he went to visit Tom Paris. Yeah, like of all like, people. Yeah, is that's so great. That's such a fun writing flourish. It's very uh, damning. It's very damning. Uh, I mean, like, freedom of association, but also, why you hang out with that dude? Right. 
And so they put him on house arrest. They give him an anklet and uh, they say, like, if you tamper with this, we're going to know and you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Don't leave town. You're going to want to wrap it with some uh, cellophane before hopping into the sonic shower. (laughs) You're going to want to wrap it in some sound foam (laughs) before hopping into the sonic shower. It does not appear as though ankle bracelet technology has really advanced very much. <laughs> it does not. This must be an ankle bracelet that they can like find you across the star system or something. Because yeah, <laughs> it's just as big and cumbersome as a as a contemporary house arrest anklet. Take it from me. What? A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Kim limps home after this interaction and uh, Cosimo interrupts him again and sort of insists that he stops for coffee in that moment. Yeah. Uh, Cosimo explains to Kim that he is, in fact, in a Star Trek episode, and that's why his life is so confusing at the moment. What? Cosimo feels really bad because uh, he is a extra-dimensional something-something that lives in a time-space something-something. We only know that an accident occurred. We, we don't know how or why. The, the techno babble gets really thick for a while, but it's basically just there was some freak accident that caused Harry to wind up in their realm, and they and they feel rotten about it. They just they just wish it hadn't happened, and they would love to fix it, but they don't have the science to do it. So, Cosimo is kind of their the representative of this alien. Uh, species that lives on this like totally other plane of existence and he's just kind of kind of keep an eye on Harry and make sure he transitions into his new life in a new timeline uh, with relative ease you could say there is no punishment to future crime Kajimu <laughs> Star Trek has a very spotty record with uh, all powerful beings if you would like to speak to people with regrets I don't remember mine, but I am told that I have many, and my friend here also has some. At least, that's what I have written down on this note card. This scene is almost totally incoherent. Like, Cosimo could be an all-powerful being from from a dimension full of all-powerful beings, or he could just be a guy who has a technology. And I think either one of those is is equally plausible in this moment. And I just wish I knew what Cosimo's deal was. All Cosimo can do for the moment is just sort of apologize for Kim getting caught up in some bullshit that he didn't intend to. Yeah. So the deal is like the the fact that Harry Kim wound up in this particular, like the, that he wound up in his same time, but in a reality... Oh, I'm getting so burpy from this I know, champagne. I, I was just, I got, uh, I got sympathy, sympathy burps just watching you. <laughs> the, this, is the, this is the worst thing on the board, I think. I mean, no, I, I'm sure that the friends of DeSoto would disagree and tell us that the nth degree is the worst thing on the board, but for the person... Forget the broad, we should be taking a gas pill. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying, like, if you try to, like, undo the accident, it, it would be like cold cocking Carl and jumping through his hole like no guarantees about where you would end up at all right and I wish that danger was emphasized a little bit more because this is something even Paris gives voice to later on when the chances of success are articulated yeah 
at, toward the end of the episode. Like, it's insane that this is worth going through with. I guess I'll have to take that chance. And Cosimo, to his credit, is like, look, man, the odds are so bad of you getting back to where you are. Like, you know, there's a Libby up there yeah. waiting for you. Again with the Libby thing, Cosimo. Yeah. He's like... Uh, and, and, and Harry, like, throws his Vulcan mocha at the wall <laughs> and says... Libby is fine, but there are two Delaney sisters, Cosimo. Two. Not one, two. Libby's only one person, Cosimo. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> uh, Libby, when uh, Harry gets back to the apartment, is is pretty bummed about what this means about the future of their relationship. And she is trying to express to him, like, you were basically like the dude I was going to marry. And, and in the last couple of days, you've been acting like a total lunatic and he's able to kind of draw on their personal history and say like, you know, like, like call back to a time he remembers about them first getting together and, 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 you know, pitch it to her like, Hey, like I need your help. Like this is, this is not me acting strange. This is, this is me not being in the right place at the right time. And, and I need, I need you to be like empathetic and, and ride for me in this moment because it's like a very hard time in my life. And she doesn't understand it, but um, actions speak louder than words because she does ride for him, Adam. I will remove the tracking device. Then you can go over the wall and hide in the jungle. He's been tampering with his Azores anklet. Some, some dustbusters materialize in their apartment and she blocks them as Harry jumps out the window and down the fire escape. Goodbye, Worf. This escape scene is pretty exciting. It's a it's a great foot chase. Like I uh I like watched an action movie with a foot chase uh on Netflix last night that was like less fun than this one. Kim has had to make the case to Libby using the foundation of strong relationships. He's like, we've been, we've been through a lot, baby. And like, and like the deal with our relationship is, is one of mutual respect and support. And I'm going to need to take a withdrawal from that account right now. Yeah. And even though you don't understand what's going on. Yeah. And that's kind of the miracle of the moment that, that permits him to escape here. Yeah. Well, and the other miracle is that he is like, he gets caught by Starfleet security out on the mean streets of San Francisco and, uh, and, and Tom Paris comes to his rescue. Yeah. Right in the nick of time yeah. and punches out, uh, one of his pursuers, which, uh, really does not speak well of Starfleet security. Like we just saw Tom Paris like badly lose a bar fight and now he and now he beats up a Starfleet security guy with one punch. There goes my bank shot. Paris and Kim in an alley talk about this very thing. They're like, I expected, <laughs> I expected better from Starfleet. Let's see how, how much we can press this bet. <laughs> what if we stole a runabout? Yeah. What if we tried to recreate the conditions of my disappearance? And Paris is like, uh, where are you going to get a pilot? And Kim is like, that's you, idiot. You're a pilot. Let's go get this runabout. I'm willing to take my chances, Ensign. Before we go get this runabout, let's go back to my office. It's the one place no one will look for us. <laughs> the last place they'd expect me to go. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they yeah. have to get, like, the command codes from the office. Uh, Tom Paris has a site-to-site transporter with him, so he's able to get them there. Site-to-site chase scene should be a, a more frequent Star Trek thing. We got a lot in Discovery. Like, yeah. that is a very, 
useful use of it. Discovery Season 3 is really is really relishing in the site-to-site transporter stuff. Yeah. And uh, and that chase scene in, in Episode 1 is fucking great. And, yeah. like, like the, the clock is ticking every time they materialize in a new place because they're like, okay, they'll have detected that an unauthorized transporter beamed us into this room, so we gotta we gotta like get this info and then get out of here. <laughs> There's a very funny shot of the Starfleet security guys like running across the room and looking behind the desk and their two little like transporter balls like fading out. Yeah, what would happen if you shot the balls? Um so they get to the runabout. They uh they narrowly escape the space doors uh, as they're closing, and this looked like maybe the space doors from the Dyson Sphere in TNG. I recognize them as well, including the uh, the rotation, like the barrel roll of the runabout on the way out. Yeah, and it was that was that was recycled footage. A bunch of the San Francisco footage were were taken from Star Trek films. This is like this is what I wish Star Trek would do more of. Like I like we make jokes about it being like the most efficient and cost-effective sci-fi franchise. Yeah. But live in the world, like use use the stuff you've got, you know? Yeah. If you if you're going to talk about the cities Use the whole that, Star Trek Buffalo. Yeah, like like season 2 episode 1, we talked about like wanting to see those cities. You've got the matte paintings cut to cities, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why we're so incredulous about when they don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm not going to knock this episode for using what they've got. I think they should be doing this more often. This episode is a great example of using what they've got. And, the, you know, another example is this star, starship chase. They're getting chased by a Del Sol class starship. You know, they've got the models. Like, it's not like a complicated space combat scene, but it's... It's plausible, like, what ship would be in the area is clearly a Del Sol. It's not going to be one of the larger exploration class ships nearby. It's yeah. going to, it's obviously going to be a Del Sol. This is the moment though, Ben, yeah. I was like, Paris is going to have to die for this. Yeah. I knew at this moment what the score was for him. And like, did you buy there's, it? There, there's some fun trickery afoot here. Like the runabout does that spy hunter trick and drops a bunch of oil slick behind it to buy more time and what's fun here is that like there is a bit little bit of deception the runabout arrives at the spot where it should like the very last time that kim hangs out with cosimo cosimo gives him a challenge coin that's like hey this has got all the information you need to try to do this insane plan yeah and kim thinks he's done everything he needs to do in order to replicate the conditions of his movement through dimension yeah it's like set up a sensor sweep do this Mm -hmm. to the shield modulation like there's like a a bunch of things that he has to like kind of recall were going on on the ship at the time but what he didn't do is is beam during yeah and that's like the the last thing he's got to do and and he's reluctant to do it because if he fucks around with the transporter, he's going to find out that the runabout is going to explode with Paris inside. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't seem worth it to Kim to sacrifice Paris's life. And he's also beaming into space during, so it's like, right. who knows what the odds are, but one way or the other, like, they don't know the odds, but there's a large chance that they both buy the farm in this right. plan. <laughs> and Paris is just grizzled enough 
and and just unhappy enough about his life to to find these odds worth it. He physically takes Kim and throws him into the transporter booth as if it's a phone booth. Yeah. Did you buy it? Like this I feel like the episode really relies on you believing that this version of Tom Paris would be this dejected and in need of purpose that he would do something that he knows is sacrifice of self for someone else. The rest of the episode sets up parameters that make it seem as though this is the absolute limit of Tom Paris's grizzledness. Uh-huh. So what I'm trying to say is that, like, I wish Tom Paris was more of a pirate. I wish he was more of a of an angry ex-con. I wish they, like, really dialed him up even more. Yeah. But... How he acts is consistent with the rules that the episode sets up throughout. And so while I'm disappointed that he isn't dangerous seeming enough for me, yeah, he has to fit into the episode and the episode's rules. And I think my criticism is that the rules for the episode aren't dialed up enough. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing that worked about it for me is that this is maybe hard to see for this version of Tom Paris, but if this is the same Tom Paris just with a different set of breaks in his life, I think I do believe it, because I do think that Tom Paris is kind of a heroic and selfless person in circumstances like these. I wish he was just a little different, a little more different than Tom Paris Prime. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it comes down to after Paris throws Kim into the transporter, being in the shuttle a little longer with him, alone, having to grapple with the the impulse decision that he just made. Right. And maybe there being a beat where he's he's like, oh, fuck. Christ, I'm going back to New Zealand. Yeah. I don't think this episode believes he's interesting enough to do that for, and I disagree. He is. He should be. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he does it. He throws Kim into the transporter, energizes, and then we cut to the wide shot of the runabout exploding. And then we cut to the extremely close shot of Kim's eye. And this is a very interesting type of shot. They've like done an optical process where they punched in on the film on the piece of film itself to, to get like a super, super close shot of his eye. And then they are both zooming out on the lens and also zooming out digitally at the same time to, to go from a shot that is like Kim's eye taking up the entire frame to Kim's entire body taking up the frame. We're with Kim so long throughout the episode that it's a little disorienting that after he wakes up at his destination, we're on the bridge of the Voyager completely apart from him after this. Yeah. And it's Voyager troubleshooting this issue. Right. Of, of bringing him home. 10 seconds to hull breach. He's just out of reach. I love the choice to not keep cutting back to the shuttle that much. Like it, it, he feels so far away and in such danger yeah. When you when you are stuck on the bridge with them trying to workshop this problem, um, and they're they're trying to beam him out, he's got to like drop shields, and they they work out a way to do it. BLT like routes the transporter through the deflector dish or something, 
and and they get him. There's coffee in transporter room two. And Harry's question uh, over the radio is whether Tom Paris is aboard because he wants to make sure that this is the right reality that he got back into. Yeah, and he did. I love how he blows off Chakotay. Glad you made it. <laughs> in this moment, like th- this is a very low-key owning that happens here. Because Chakotay is of a much higher rank and like stops Kim to have a conversation and Kim double middles him on the way to Paris. I've already been brief, Commander. Welcome back. To tell him how grateful he is. Yeah, Chakotay's like, hey, remember that time back in the day that you stole a bunch of uh, Starfleet runabout technology and, and got it to us? Yeah, it. This whole moment confuses Paris in a very end-of-a-TV-show kind of way. Another thing that confused me in this moment was when Janeway radioed down and said, Board you to Transporter Room 2. As though Transporter Room 2 is not aboard the ship. Oh, I didn't detect that. Wow. Weird line. That's not good. Yeah. The button on the episode is, uh, is Harry Kim slapping... Tom Paris on the shoulder and saying, I owe you one because I mean, this is such an interesting thing about their characters. Like, like Kim will now know that Tom Paris was willing to sacrifice his life for him in a, in a certain context. And Tom Paris will not know that. I mean, he might know it from a story, but like, like Kim lived it. Yeah. I mean, the, the invisible button is Harry Kim being back in the Voyager Having banged Libby. <laughs> and now the Delaney sisters are feeling weird and jealous? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's weird all around now. Yeah. You can't cheat on the Delaney sisters. There's too much at stake. I think he's got kind of an open thing with the Delaney sisters. It's more of like a F and SWB. The Delaney sisters is like, so what happened on that mission? You're acting all weird. Kim just jumps back in the into the Venice Canal. <laughs> That's his move when he doesn't want to answer a question. Yeah, it's like later deuces. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time, but I don't like bullets. I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I like this episode a lot. I think that this is a great way for a Voyager story to be told about what was left behind in a very, like, Star Trek way. And uh, also a great a great Harry Kim episode. Like, he is, he is so much moxie, you know? Like, I think that some of the episodes that we've seen have kind of felt like they were writing him to be a little bit wimpy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he is like he is a, he is no nonsense. He is like punching cops and jumping out windows and shit in this episode. I think it it really it really makes him seem like a total badass and uh, and and super capable too. Like in another life, he could have been an award winning, brilliant engineer. Well, Ben, hard, hard, hard disagree, and here's why. Harry Kim is presented with an opportunity to ask a all-powerful life form for help returning Voyager home. Like, there are very big questions asked in this episode. One of them, when Kim is confronted with with Cosimo's 
you know, true nature, like the opportunity is presented for him to be like, all right, so I'm here and I get it. And like, there may be constraints about me going back to my right timeline. Yeah. Cool. But like Voyager is out there, man. Could you do anything about bringing them home? He's not selfless enough. It's interesting. But I think also Cosimo doesn't seem to like understand what happened well enough. Like, if this is if, this is the other problem is that we get so little of Cosimo we don't have an understanding of what his his powers or liabilities are. Yeah. And it's the episode is so incurious about Cosimo even though the episode itself asks really big questions about how this happened and maybe the greatest question of all. Maybe the greatest question ever asked in Star Trek is asked in this episode Ben. When Cosimo and Kim are sitting outside the the coffee shop and Cosimo is trying to make the case of, you know, it's not so bad here. Maybe maybe this is where you should stay. Maybe this is your fate. On Star Trek, that is an incredible question. Yeah. Because what does anyone know about when and where they should be? Yeah. I I feel like we need we need more time to live in that question and all the possible answers of it. This does feel like it could have been a two-parter and yeah. and could have really chewed up a lot more of that stuff. It breaks the Star Trek rule of making any episode set in San Francisco a two-parter. <laughs> you broke the Star Trek law here, guys. Yeah, yeah. But I also do feel like Cosimo seems so, like, so inept in... in so many ways that like I I don't know if I would ask Cosimo for like favors that involve flinging people across time and space. It would be so disappointing. Like like one of the theories about you know the reason we know Earth hasn't been visited by extraterrestrial life is that we wouldn't we wouldn't even understand their technology. Like they could move them invisibly and we'd never know it. Yeah. There's all these like like, videos now on the internet of like, of like air force pilots going, what is that man? What is that? And it's like, wow, why is it like always around air force bases that, uh, things that are flying in the air that we don't understand happen Could to be. Could you imagine if if the reality was that it, it was like a Cosimo type person who's like, yeah, man, I, like I can barely explain it myself. <laughs> kind of uh, kind of fucked up that I ended up here and I can't really explain it. <laughs> That's the big reveal to extraterrestrial life is Cosimo. Yeah. What a bummer. The flight of the bad navigator. Yeah. 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 So like lots of interesting stuff in this episode, but like part of what makes science fiction fun are all of the questions that it asks. And this episode is full of questions, but uh, it really muddies the water because it moves so quickly through what could be the possible answers that uh, I was ultimately a little unsatisfied with it for that reason. Good writers ask great questions. Great writers answer great questions. Hmm. Indeed. Great podcasters make fun of those writers for not doing that. (laughs) Well, Adam, do you want to see what we have uh, asked or answered in the Priority One inbox? Yeah, just like like Poppin' Bubs, we're going to go into the P1 inbox and uh, pop the corks 
on these messages. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Yeah, how are you doing on that bottle, by the way? I'm like, I'm down to my last glass or two. I just poured what I think will be my penultimate glass. I'm pretty mm. I'm pretty down to the bottom of it as well. It is just an extremely gassy experience. It's, it's extremely gassy. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. And the message goes like this. Unlike Miles and Keiko, some couples actually like each other. Some even podcast together. Whoa! On, on You Haven't Seen What? We watch movies from the 80s and 90s that our spouse hasn't seen. Damn. We often discover that films we grew up with don't always appeal to our partner or even our adult selves. <laughs> but sometimes we can't believe we missed it. You haven't seen what? A husband and wife podcast where we rectify the wrongs of our spouse missing culturally relevant movies. Available everywhere. Be kind, rewind. Wow. If, so, if this another was... great concept for a podcast mm-hmm. right here. A, a concept of which I am jealous, but if I did this with my wife, it would just be her showing me Clueless over and over again and <laughs> me going, I've seen Clueless. I like it. I like Clueless a lot. And me <laughs> me making her watch the first Tim Burton Batman movie over and over again and her going, you showed this to me the first year we were dating. Like every stupid straight guy in the history of dating forcing his new date to watch some fucking dumb comic book movie with him. I love that you're actually pitching Tap Out the movie podcast, which is like (laughs) you just show your partner the same movie over and over again, and they they show you their movie, and one of you's got to tap out. (laughs) I I am sure that the hosts of Oh, you haven't seen what? You haven't seen what? You haven't seen what? Check out... You haven't seen what? (laughs) Uh, Wherever you can find podcasts. It sounds like a great idea. It really does. Adam, our second priority on message is of a personal nature. It's from Carly, who is experiencing a birthday. And it is to Carly, who is celebrating a birthday. It goes like this. Hello, Carly. You finally realized no one is buying you a message on any of the podcasts you enjoy. So you bought yourself one. Hell yeah. Also, hi, Matt, who is my only friend I can routinely make drunk Shimoda references to. I'm glad you are my friend. I think Carly's great. I think uh, I think when it's your birthday, you should give yourself some gifts. Take yourself out on a date. Take yourself go out do, on a go date. Go do your favorite thing. Yeah. Maybe and, buy yourself a priority one message. And also, like, the, the like, giving a friend a gift on your own birthday move. Real classy oh, move. Like, yeah. like, Matt got a name check right in there. That's nice. That's nice as hell. Yeah. Matt, yeah. you have a really cool friend. Carly, happy birthday. I hope Carly's having a great birthday. I do too. You don't need anyone else to validate your birthday greatness. Yeah. You, you, you did it. Ben, our final priority one message is from Cassie. It is to Addie. The requested date was Valentine's Day, just to be clear. <laughs> that's, that's a long time ago. 
message goes like this. Is telling the hosts of Greatest Gen about our engagement before telling my mom a good idea? What my theory presupposes is... Maybe it is? I love you more than Bashir loves piss. Without you, I'd be more devastated than Worf. When the barrel came, his back broken. I apologize if I still haven't found your ebook reader. <laughs> wow, happy Valentine's Day, Cassie and Addie. I can't I cannot believe that Cassie and Addie withheld the news of their engagement from any of their parents this long. Cassie is really one of us. Yeah. I really love Cassie's sense of humor here. Yeah. Uh, I hope everything went well with uh, this engagement. Yeah. And if they're... Uh, they might already be married at this point. I know. Like... I know. It's been, it's been a long time since the, uh, since, since the Valentines. I know. Uh, thanks for hanging in with us, Cassie and Addie. Congratulations. And uh, give us an update. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, if you'd like to get a priority one message, head to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron. It's a hundred bucks for a personal message and two hundred for a commercial message. And we use the money to buy fancy bottles of champagne that make us super burpy during episodes of the show. Also makes us pretty funny though. <laughs> yeah. Hey Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! What are the rules of Drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda is the character that's acting in a way you don't quite understand. The chaos uh, like, agent that's having fun. I mean, the, the character I don't quite get here, honestly, is Libby. <laughs> On the one hand, I respect that she's in it with Kim and goes all the way as far as like the trust goes. She is confronted with a partner that she cares a lot about going through a thing that she is made to believe because it's Star Trek. Mm -hmm. She may or may not believe it, but she still acts in his defense in a way that is noble and good. I don't quite believe that there is enough in the episode to make her actions believable, and I think that's what edges her into Shimoda territory. Like, yeah, like blocking the window <laughs> is a great example of this. Like, wow, she's going to be in big trouble for for fucking with Starfleet security. You got to believe that, and her defense of herself is not going to be good. But I guess her entire timeline is going to be erased once Kim leaves, so it's not going to matter. So the stakes are are kind of wonky too. But up until that moment, I think there is some chaos to her and and she is depended upon to make the thing go. Right. Like as chaotic as she is, she's also instrumental in moving the story forward. And uh, I think for that reason, she's going to be my Shimoda. I'm going to pick the Starfleet security dudes that materialize in their apartment behind the the like screen behind the changing partition <laughs> yeah the <laughs> the the thing that i like 
I've literally never seen in a real human's house, but that is in every fucking TV show and movie for a sexy lady to go change behind for some Where reason. Where would you even buy one of these? I don't know. <laughs> but it's very funny that, this, the, that the cops show up in the apartment behind it. Like, they're just like, transport us into the room anywhere. <laughs> so so it's just like a bunch of lattice and and some hinges and and for some reason there's like an extremely directional light source behind it so you can see the the, the silhouette of the person doing whatever they're doing behind it <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like on earth you can be so granular with where you're beaming yeah You've got to be able to be so granular, right? Beam in front yeah. of the window. That's the that's the likely escape route. Beam one of the guys standing on top of the bed. You want to get some triangulation involved. Get get the get Kim surrounded. Beam they more than two up. guys. Beam five guys. <laughs> Come on. Starfleet security on Earth is an inexhaustible resource. <laughs> they should beam 30 guys into that room. Because what's the difference, Ben? They can just beam back to base right afterwards. It's not a big deal. They should beam so many guys that <laughs> Kim can't even move because he's just wedged <laughs> between guys, you know? A rock concert amount of dustbusters in there. <laughs> yeah, And like, Kim can't go to the back bar for a drink. The fire marshal is not going to show up to complain because you're going to all beam out of there soon enough you know honestly it's an idea so good that if they were to do it in an episode i think it would break star trek because because it makes so much logical sense this would be the episode where do you remember that episode where they beam 50 security people into an apartment in san francisco because they could (laughs) hey listen i know that the people that write lower decks are cooler and funnier than us but if on any off chance somebody that writes for Lower Decks is listening to this, do that, please. I'm going to go one further. Like, if you're a writer for Lower Decks and you've heard this episode, invite us in for a general. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just kick it for a while, spitballing ideas. I think we I think we could do that. Adam and Ben, Take write, our ideas. Adam and Ben write the worst episode of season three of Lower Decks and the worst overall episode of Lower Decks in one fell stroke. I would love that reputation. <laughs> Make it so. The jokes really don't hit. What's going on with this one? <laughs> Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Adam, why don't you head to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker, and uh, get ready to roll that bone while I tell you about Season 2, Episode 6, Twisted. Voyager encounters a mysterious energy field that surrounds the ship and disrupts the crew's communication system. Communications, always the first thing that goes. Yeah. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Well, Ben, our runabout is uh, is pulsing on top of Neelix's face. <laughs> the reason why we're drinking all this champagne right now. I'm feeling great. This Too is a great champagne. decision by us. I have killed my champagne bottle. I, have, uh, I haven't. But a bit in my coop left over. Hey, this was big fun, man. Oh, Good man. Good job. You, 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 you get some catching up to do like any drinking episode of the show. 
<laughs> fair. Super fair. Ben, uh, that square is square 92. Yeah. It is incredible that we're at the top of the board. It was made possible by, uh, by a the weird caretaker. square where we rolled a 100-sided die. Yeah. But I've got a regular six-sided job in my hand right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I need to roll to tell us what's what kind of episode will be next. It looks like you could hit that space butthole that goes down to the nth degree, which would probably cause a mass exodus of our listeners. Honestly, I'm fine with that. (laughs) Oh, but unfortunately, I rolled a four. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. It means we're on square 96, and a regular old episode, sadly, without sparkling wine. (laughs) Because I feel like uh, it really, it really uh, improved our ability to do show today. It's a real vibe. Um, that puts us. It's in, a real gassy vibe. In a in a dangerous proximity to that Mornhammered episode. Oof! And, you are not kidding. Uh, I'm I like behind the pod. You are going out of town for like a week and a half. Uh, yeah. af- right after we record this, so. Um, I'm I'm glad that I'll have some time to recover from these bubble wines before any yeah. more hammered situation happens. Yeah, I'm about to go back to Seattle for the first time since the pandemic. It's been over a year since I've been back up there. So man, looking forward I, to that. Uh, I hope you have a great time. Um, I I hope you visit all your favorite spots. Um, I I have only been back to New York like two times since I moved from there, and it it breaks my heart. It's a it's a place I really really miss. And uh, hey, man, uh, Canon survived, by the way, fuck. and it's reopening. So just know that uh, that's going to be there waiting for us when. Can we're I fly ready up for one crazy night? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> do it. Oh man! We, you know what? We should we should actually we should make that happen. That'd that, be super fun. Is that a, is that a Oxbridge Shimoda uh, approved expense? The 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 Delta ticket that would get me up there. <laughs> Let's see how our meeting with our business manager goes tomorrow, and then uh, I have a feeling that's going to work out just fine. Okay, great. Um, well, uh, thanks to everyone that uh, keeps us going. You're talking about the Friends of DeSoto. The Friends of DeSoto, and especially the ones that go to MaximumFun.org slash join and set up a monthly membership, or the ones that recommend the show to a friend or loved one or co-worker. Uh, you know, spreading the word really keeps us going, and we really, really appreciate it. It's the thing that makes the show happen. It does. We can't do it without that kind of support, and we just really appreciate it. You know what else we appreciate, Adam, is the amazing music custom-made for this show by Adam Ragusea, the, uh, the YouTube chef extraordinaire who also occasionally slums it with the greatest generation, makes a weird music thing for us. <laughs> He's really one of the best friends of DeSoto. He's done so much for us over the years. Uh, he's been a great friend. He's made some great music for us. Uh, he makes us funnier with his work. Yeah, we don't deserve him. Uh, yeah. We also don't deserve Dark Materia, who made the Picard song, the original theme song of this show. And we also don't deserve Bill Tilly, our social media manager, who uh, is uh, running the accounts at Greatest Trek on Instagram, Twitter and uh, modding the comments on Twitch when we do our Twitch live streams. Yeah, meet a friend of DeSoto today. Do it! 
in one of the many places you can do so. They're all over the place. They are. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, in the Greatest Gen groups, or in the many, many splinter factions that are dedicated to, like, cooking and parenting and working out and being gay and doing all kinds of awesome shit. Uh, all of the Friends of DeSoto uh, groups on Facebook rule, as do the DrunkShimoto.com Discord group and the groups on Reddit and the people that use the hashtag GreatestGen on Twitter. Just a bunch of fun, awesome people. Hey, speaking of Jim Shimoda with a G, yeah. if you want to go ride bikes with me, there are like a hundred hashtag Jim Shimoda Peloton riders, <laughs> and it seems like every time I get on the video bike, uh, there is someone with a Jim Shimoda hashtag in there. Yeah, that's awesome. Riding the bike. It's super fun. Uh, it's been the thing, one of the things to keep me sane during the pandemic. Uh, if you ride Peloton, add the hashtag Jim Shimoda to your uh, profile, and let's go riding sometime. That sounds cool as hell. I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta save up my money so I can get a, a space bike with you guys. Look, if you're lucky enough to get through the pandemic, just joining one cult, <laughs> Peloton is good. Okay, that's what I'll say. I have three or four, and they're kind of taxing me financially right now. So, I mean, I'm not saying Peloton won't tax you financially, but uh, you're getting something back, <laughs> and it's not just brunch on a nice patio. Uh, I went to, uh, I, I was at a wedding once, and the CEO of Peloton was at it also. And he, seemed, he seemed nice enough, but I, his mom was really nice. Oh. She was a proud, a proud mama. I'm sure you're great with moms. Oh. I'm I, also great with moms. Yeah, you and I. Moms love us. We crush it with, with moms. <laughs> Uh, well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of, of Star Trek Voyager and another episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager. That uh, it's not that Adam and Ben are fighting again; it's that we like can't communicate with each other. We're just kind of missing each other, you know? Yeah. You know, like the bad episodes of Greatest Gen where we're not <laughs> just quite hitting it comedically. It's yeah. like that. Yeah. Like I, I like bring a premise, and Adam kind of. Instead of, like, yes-anding it, just kind of shuts yeah. it down. So, like, a lot of episodes of Greatest Gem. And then Adam says something really funny, and then I'm, like, really hurt <laughs> about that premise from earlier, and I'm, like, not really giving it back the way he deserves. Yeah, yeah that's it. Sometimes Greatest Gen be like that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's going to be kind of the vibe next week. So, you know, tune in if you want. Yeah, I might need another bottle of sparkling wine for that one. Yeah, why, why don't we do this every time? This is great. Every time. Make it show. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.